every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back to the Blunderground Railroad. We are in chapter number two of of Notes from Underground. My name is Tom Smith, and you are? Stephen Hart. How you guys uh, doing? Hey, welcome back. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you've made it through the first part of Notes from Underground, uh, which was a trip. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not chapter two. Is uh, is part two, which was surprising. You know, you turn it over, you're like, oh, it's gonna be chapter twelve. No, it's not. No. You end up in a poem, and uh, which I understood the middle of this poem. I I, I don't know. I for me, it yeah. was um, the poem seemed like uh, like the reason and for the book and the development of the book. That's the best small summary I could give to that poem. Interesting. Here, tell me a little bit more. What about the how I came to that conclusion? Well, no, the poem here. You know, let me see if I can. Uh, oh, yeah. Here, let me go ahead and read it. See. Uh, yeah. Unless uh, is uh, reading poetry is one of your hidden talents. Oh, yeah. No, huge. Probably when we get done with this, I'm gonna dig right into. At least fifteen or twenty haikus. I got to probably. I right? got to. Yeah. Just or how about a, a soliloquy? Right? What in the? I don't even know what letter that starts with. Yeah, those fire me up though. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, right there you go. You get a haiku or you know. Who watches football? Poetry is where it's at. Uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. So we have this. Um, we have this poem here at the beginning, and uh, you know, here. I'll begin. <laughs> a propose of the wet snow, when from dark errors subjugation. My words of passionate exhortation had wrenched thy fainting spirit free and writhing prone in thine affliction. Thou didst recall with malediction the vice that had encompassed thee. And when thy slumbering conscience, fretting by recollection's torturing flame, thou didst reveal the hideous setting of thy life's current ear I came when suddenly I saw thee sicken, and weeping hide thine anguished face, revolted, maddened, horror-stricken, at memories of foul disgrace. That's like 4-4 four, four time, probably like a 1-3-5 chord progression? Um, um, uh, uh, <laughs> probably. I mean, it's like something I got out of a Cracker Jack box, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's, seriously, this thing's like a fortune cookie. Like, it could be true for anything. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess, it, well, I guess it, it wherever. That, that's true. It could be. It could be. But isn't that always the way, though? You know, like, it's kind of always the way. Um, when you get these 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 things that they can be interpreted different ways, right? Uh, you know, weeping, hide thine anguish face, revolted, madden, these, these sorts of things. You know, is okay, so let me ask this question. So... Who makes better movies, liberals or conservatives? Well, that's not objective. That's subjective. Depends on who you ask. Uh, me, me personally? Sure. What do you think? The more they've started to talk, 
I don't want to admit this. Liberals. Man, you know, here's the thing, okay? So, and I hate to break it to you because there's got, maybe we'll get some disagreement on this, okay? Liberals make the best movies, all right? Like, if there's any point in time when you, we got to come together again <clears throat> and we're going to heal this nation, yeah. and the conservatives got to go first, we, we got to go first, and, and you know, because we'll be magnanimous. So we're going to go first, and then they can go second. Yeah. And it comes your turn, you know, and you have to look them in the eye. You look at me go, okay, listen, you make great movies, okay? Like, you can just take it, all right? They make all the great movies, right? <laughs> like, all the best movies are made by liberals, right? And so, yeah, yeah it's really true. So, and, and I think, you know, I was, I was having a conversation with my son about this, you know, and, and um, uh, I think it's, a lot of it is because, you know, the liberals, right? So, everything is, is abstract and everything is relational, right? And so, there's there's a lot of, like, this... There's a lot of knowledge, okay? And there's, there's a, a fundamental distinction here, all right, that I, I know I'm getting somewhere. I know it makes no sense. But there's a fundamental distinction, okay, between the thing and knowing about the thing, all right? There's the object, and then there's the knowledge of the object, Yeah. all right? So your average liberal, right? So your average liberal is going gonna, is gonna to be uh, maybe at a university, going to be a bookworm, they're going to be learning a lot of knowledge, okay? They're going to have a lot of knowledge about things, all right? So they're going to they're going to call it knowledge, and it is knowledge in a way, all right? But mm-hmm. so if you take if you take a, a if you take a boy and you put him on a farm, right? And he's working with the animals, all right? He's raising the animals, he's building, he's tearing down, he's repairing, he's he's gaining all these skills. He's going to have knowledge about the farm, right? Yep. You can send a liberal to a university and have them read agricultural books, and they can become an agricultural advisor at, a, say, for example, a high government agency, and they can also have a lot of knowledge about the farm. Yep. Okay. So when your mind and when your experience is filled and overflowing with a certain kind of knowledge, right? So let's think about the latter knowledge. So let's like, say the university knowledge rather than the, the actual object. So when you have that kind of knowledge, then you're going you're gonna to start to look at things in an abstract way. You're going to start to relate things. And what you're going to do is you're going to increase your ability to become self-aware and sensitive. All right? This is what a lot of, pe- a lot of people will coin this term. They'll say progressive. All right? It's, pro- yeah, yeah. it's a progressive way of looking at the world. And I'm, by the way, I'm not trying to call out people here. All right? I'm just trying to call it as it is. All right? I've already said you guys make great movies, so we're cool. So, like, <laughs> right? so, so here's the thing. So you're going to look at, you're going to be, you're sensitive and you're very much self-aware. All yeah. right? and, and you're looking at things in an abstract way. Okay. And so that's going to create great themes. And when you, when you can, you can bring in, technical knowledge and you can fill those gaps right between those themes that's great art right you can create art and and you can you can put that out you can put it out there a lot of liberals do great movies awesome movies right yeah so if you're gonna if you're gonna switch it up and you're gonna go to see for example a conservative movie you go see the conservative movie then it's usually like um you know uh you know, it's usually like Die Hard, you know. So, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Die Hard 2, you know. It's, it's predictable. Like, yeah, lack, you know. Lack creativity. Right. You know, well, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, people are doing, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, it's might makes right. You know, it's A goes to B, 
goes to sea, yeah. you know, and so you're getting this kind of, you know, this uh, this kind of linear theme. And it's not that those themes can't be exciting. It's not that those, um, it's not that those themes can't be, uh, you know, can't be exalting. I mean, I'm sure that they can, but there's just something about, you know, all this. There's something about the way, the approach that really separates them fundamentally from the way that they approach film. How's that? How's that apply to this? Well, I think it applies to the chapter in the way that people approach life, uh, because you know I think that, uh, and if I'm, we're gonna, you guys have read the chapter, so I I think if you're here, you probably you've read the chapter. You know, we we're looking here at the underground man in the wild, and so the underground man's at work, right? And so he's not, he's 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 having these problems that are really that are based. He's created this great movie, right? We have this amazing movie, right? And that's the first part of the book. So he's got this work of art that he's put out there uh, for this imaginary audience. Yeah, he's he's backed it up, like backed up in time a bit. And he's like, all right, let's go back in time. And let me show you the physical application of everything I just wrote down. Yeah, you know, he's 24 years old, right? Right. So he's 24 years old. So, you know, you're not going to say, you know, you can't say that he's not, you can't say that he's not, for example, um, self-aware, right? You think about the example like with his face, He's talking about his face. Oh yeah, you know at the beginning. Yep. And so, and he's uh, he's talking about the way he he wants to uh, he wants to appear intelligent. Right. And then he he looks and he wants to appear intelligent. And then he looks at these other people and he observes like their faces are pockmarked, or he he'll look at them and then he'll um uh and uh or he'll uh, say they have an ugly face. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he always it, it, what it does is it kind of. He ends up, he ends up projecting. Okay, a lot of that sensitivity of his own self awareness. He wants to look intelligent, but these people don't. Yeah. And so he's like, "Why don't they look intelligent? Why don't they? Why aren't they trying to do what I'm trying to do?" And then the the, mm-hmm. the part about the eyes, right? He's looking them in the eyes, and then he shames himself because he's incapable of holding the stare, and he always drops his eyes before the other person does. Yep. So he can't hold the stare. He's looking at this other person's face. And he doesn't know why they are not trying to do what he's doing. He's self-aware. He assumes they're self-aware. So why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't they try to do what he's doing? And why is it that they have a stronger gaze? Why is it that they can outgaze him? You know, why does he have to drop the gaze? He's self-aware. So he begins this, this process of hatred, right? He hates them. Yeah, you know, and so he begins to say, "Well, I, I hate these people because he doesn't understand them, right?" And but this, he's also aware that because he says it, it happened at times that I thought more highly of them uh, than myself. So he's also uh, aware that you know the other side of the coin uh, may be true. Exactly, and that's exactly how he felt about the man of action. And right. If you remember back at the beginning of the book, when he was referring to the man of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he 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 admired him as well. Mm-hmm. So my assumption, and I don't necessarily see this here, but my assumption is that the people in his office where he's working, when they when they want to have a conversation, they say words. Yep. When they want to be friends with someone, they probably introduce themselves. Yep. Right. When they want to, uh, when they need help with something uh, that they're doing, uh, they will probably ask, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so they'll do these things. And it's probably not, it probably is instantaneous, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll just come out, right, and say it. Right. And, and it's interesting. The, you know, 
this is the way, and the underground man in, in part number one, he talks about the man of action as being, you know, he's got that sense of justice and he's able to accomplish things. He defines the man of consciousness as a man who can't begin anything and who can't who can't end anything. Right. Right. And so he became that by the age of 40. It's just interesting because he's at the age of 24 in this chapter. And at the age of 24, I mean, look how long, look how long it takes him. Right. To, with this, uh, this whole, uh, uh, you know, this whole process uh, that he goes through with the police officer. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a long process. Right. I mean, it really, it, 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 it really, it, it starts it starts with his own brooding mm-hmm. and it doesn't end it ends like weeks later months later or probably years i think it was a couple of years uh 2 years i think it was so this is a 2 year process yep. for him yep so you know you can draw a contrast here like at the at the billiard table right, right. so you're at the billiard table he's a brooding guy he he's lonely. He doesn't really know what to do. So he's he's taken to walking around at night, you know, because books become boring, right? Yep. You know, and uh, and 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 there you go. And the books comment too, by the way, right? Like a lot of people go to university or and and they 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 satiate themselves with books and knowledge, and that's exactly what the underground man is doing. But he overthinks even that. So he goes around walking around the seedy parts of town. Guy at the billiard table gets in a fight, gets thrown through the window, mm-hmm. right? You know, so this is, um, for example, this would be the sense of, this would be the sense of, I think, risk or the sense of excitement that the underground man, at this point, I think was probably missing. Uh, so he's, he's overthinking everything. So he, he's, he's, he's a man who cannot act. So he's a man that feels like he can't act. And so, when he sees somebody getting thrown through a window, that is, you know, the, that is the man of action. When we had that podcast about the man of action, yeah. I think one of the first questions I asked you was, hey, like what action movies do you like, right? Bruce yep, Willis exactly. or, or uh, exactly. Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I mean, what better, uh, we were talking just right now about conservative movies. What better example than a guy who gets, you know, swinging a billiard stick, gets thrown through a window, Right. This is action. This is a man of action and this is risk. I mean, the guy's risk, it resulted in him being thrown out of a window. Right. Right. And so, hey, I mean, the underground man, he wants to get thrown through a window, too. Right. So, I mean, you have and again, this is where you can you can kind of contrast these two styles of approaches. Take, for example, like take, for example, a big liberal movie. Right. I mean, this is this is a pretty good movie, right? I mean, guy gets thrown through the window, and here comes the sad music. Cue the sad music, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and we end up. Uh, and there's even arias in this movie, right? Yeah, Italian ones. Yeah, right. So I mean, Underground Man, the climax of this movie is singing an Italian aria. It's one of the ones you just you kind of flip through the channels and you just have to stop and watch for a few minutes. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's like you're on YouTube and you're looking at and you're like you're like, well, what is wrong with this algorithm? I'm never going to listen to this aria. And then you hit it, and then 20 minutes later, it's right there. Yeah. So right. what just happened to those 20 minutes of my life? No, no doubt, man. Right? <laughs> uh, no, no kidding, right? And then you're left wondering, like, uh, like man, like uh, you know, how can they, they sing like that for so long? <laughs> but especially the underground man. So. You know, he's underground man singing an Italian opera, and he's going to win Best Actor, and it's going to be a great picture, and there's going to be a lot of stuff in this movie, and people are going to cry, and it's going to be a big epic, right? Take the conservative movie, right? 
in like the conservative movie, right? The guy goes in and the guy comes in and the guy says, uh, says, hey, Buster. And the guy says, oh, yeah, you can't say that to me. Boom. Right, right. right on the chin. And then underground man right through the window, man. Right. Right through the yeah, window. Yeah, I don't need any of this fancy stuff. Yeah, right. All. We're just going to cut to the chase. Yeah, right. No yep. kidding, man. No doubt about it. He, no. he views all the other people as sheep, actually, is what he said, too. He does. That's right. So it's almost like he, like, because he wonders so much, you know, why can't these people be inward looking? Like, why am I the only one like this, right? Yeah, he feels um, alone. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says that he felt like he was more highly developed. And yeah. then he says, it really was so... <laughs> I'm like, that's such a contradiction. Like, all the other times you're like, no, no, it's not. Like, apparently in this paragraph you felt like it really was, though. So, like, it's like every other paragraph will come back to his senses and be more, like, you know, humble and realistic about how things are. It's so true. Um, But, yeah, he's like, they must just, you know, they got to be sheep because... I, I have no other explanation for this. I can't figure it out. Like, why am I like this? And and they're not. And I'm the only one in the whole office like this. Right, right. Exactly. He says it uh, He says it here. I have it uh, highlighted. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet not one of these gentlemen showed the slightest self-consciousness, either about their clothes or their countenance or their character in any way. Neither of them ever imagined that they were looked at with repulsion. If they had imagined it, they would not have minded so long as their superiors did not look at them in that way. Yeah, so, right. Uh, like, even if they they had been looked at that way, like, they'd only care based off the opinion of certain people. Practicality. Right. You know, the bosses, right? Yeah. So, like, and I think we've all been there. I mean, I know I certainly have. You've oh, been yeah. in the work environment, and, you know, someone will say, you know, uh, someone will say, well, everybody hates you because you suck up to the boss. And it's, Always get the same answer, right? I don't care what you think. As long as the boss is happy, I'm happy. Yep. Right? Yep. And as long as they get that promotion or as long as they get that special invite, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. That's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like you said, it's practicality. Like why? It's not fun to even impress one person. Why would you want to try to impress everybody? Right. However, he notices everybody. And he then, does. and then he he superimposes his own views into them, which just causes him more strife. I I don't I don't understand. I guess why. Yeah. Like we were talking a little bit ago about how sure. like the rest of the people in the office, like if they needed help, they would just go ask for help. If they wanted to make a friend or meet somebody, they would just introduce themselves. Right. Why do people not do that? What stops people? Like you you hear there's a. It's it's kind of a cliche, but sure. you hear people say, well, they, you know, that billionaire, whatever, puts their pants on the same way I do, one leg at a time, right? Yep. People will say that, and this, but some of the same people that say that, they're the they're the underground man. Like they will not actually go and say or, or do anything about what they feel. I mean, they have to be pushed to almost a point of losing their mind uh, mm-hmm. before they'll do any of this. Why? Why is that? I don't have a theory on that myself. Well, I mean, I think that I think that we can see the answer. I think the answer is in the chapter. Um, there's a. I think it's it's not too far ahead. Um, it's not too far ahead here, in the uh, in the chapter. He talks about uh, being a coward and being a slave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when he's talking about being a coward, he specifically uh, talks about cowardice, and he says that. He says that the man of heightened, uh, the man of heightened consciousness, 
is not a coward in his mind. He's a coward in his actions. Mm-hmm. All right. And so what you want to you want to focus in on there is and as you remember that. So the underground man is not a coward, not his mind. All right. Only in his actions. And if you, you go back into um, in the first part of the book is the underground man. OK. He considers the reason that he considers himself to be elevated above the man of action is that is because of, of two things. Number one is he always sees the consequence of an action. Okay, right? And the second thing is that he he can't he can't see the con he can't see through he can't see through that consequence. All right. There's no limiting principle because he doesn't have that first principle. So what is it? The fear of the unknown? Yeah, I, I think what it is is it's a fear of it's again okay. So it's overthinking, right? And so it's overthinking, and you're thinking about um, every possibility, all right. So you're thinking about every single possibility. So for example, um, you know, if you are if someone gives you uh, a new food, and um, if someone gives you a new food, um, you can think of the possibilities of eating it. You're not familiar with it. You might say, "Well, I could eat this food and it, and it could be fine," or I could eat the food and it could be poison. Mm-hmm. I could die, or it could be um, it could be agitating my stomach, and I could get sick, uh, or maybe the food belongs to someone else, and uh, they would like to have it because it's their favorite food, and and I don't really care one way or the other. And so you can ruminate about these things, and you see the consequences of your actions. And so when you see the consequences of your actions, you need principles in order to guide you towards uh, towards a solution, right? Towards you need morality, right? A morality. Remember that in the book. Really looking at nihilism here. So this is uh, this is it's kind of a sense of 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 of, of Russian nihilism, but also um, Dostoevsky brings in roman the romanticism as well. And there's that big section in the middle. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. like about with, yep. like with Rousseau and all that. Oh yeah. Well, so think of it this way, okay? Effectively, there's a there's a difference between at this time, okay, European romanticism and Russian romanticism. So Ru- Russian romanticism was something that was very, um, it was very practical, right? So it, it was, uh, it was very practical. It was not very high-minded, right? It was very practical. So if you were romantic about something, then you know you you were practical in the approach to it. Yeah, it almost seems like their definition was a little bit different than what you know someone would think if they just say or hear romantic just off the cuff. But the the high-mindedness of Russia stuck out very first. He says we yeah. in Russia. Have no fools. That is well known. I was like, well, that's pretty high and mighty of you to say. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, it's not. There's, there's not a lot there. It's not very deep. Cause, but right. that's, that's a man of action statement if I've ever heard one. Right. That sure. was cut to the chase. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty. I guess cut to the chase. And having no fools. I think a lot of it depends on how he, he's thinking of fools. When you, um, European romanticism was very much a high-minded ideal uh, and so it was you know and and i'm i'm gonna throw it out there like think 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 wokeism right hmm. like think think like for example like a, a a conservative christian based morality conservative worldview and then along out comes this bogey you know coming right out of la right out of new york and it's like wokeism and it's all power dynamics and it's it's institutional uh, it's in, institutional uh, 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 behavioral patterns, 
And uh, I mean, and, 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 and it, it comes in like a storm and people look at it and they go, what in the world are these people talking about? Right. And I mean, you can get it or you can not get it, but the truth is, is it's there and it's just, it's, it's, it's in your face and it's, 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 it's kind of infecting everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about like the romanticism in the, in the same way. Uh, so you, you think about it in the same way. So the underground man, when he's, uh, for example, when he has this little face-off with the police officer, right? He's in there, and he's at the billiard table, and he, he kind of, and, and, and the police officer, he, he fends him, right? And he wants to call him out right there, you know? And so the first thing he thinks about, right? What is it? I know that he, he wasn't worried about his stature. I, I remember that. Yeah. He wants to, he, he wants to call out. He has, this, um, he has this desire to call up the police officer using literary language. Uh, yeah, he wants to outsmart him. He does, yeah. He wants to, he wants to come he out. He wants with, to use his strong suit. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I mean, he wants to come out using this flowery language. I mean, he wants to, you know, he's been reading all these books, and he feels like this is the appropriate way, right? Like, yeah. I need to come out, and I need to have this high-minded language, and I need to call him out in a very specific way, right? Mm -hmm. Again, hey, language. I mean, wokeism, language, I mean, right? It, it's That's what it is. I mean, it's changing language, in order to fit into different power dynamics. And over time, culture makes that happen, and stuff becomes, like you were talking earlier, just baked in, sort yeah, of. Sure. Um, and one one way I saw that, too, was uh, in his his job. Um, yeah. Where he said, like, like he had a job He had a job that he could have abused his authority and abused his power or whatever. Right. But he didn't because of the culture in that society. That's just not something you do. Um, he says, uh, that it would rarely happen. Um, and, uh, I guess he would take open abuse for it. Um, yeah. he says, unless he had some other career in view. So like, unless he was willing to like, just right. abandon all outs and, and like already had a whole nother path set up. Yeah, sure. He wouldn't dare to step outside the lines of that job. Yeah. That's just the, the culture that was in that day in in Russia. Right, yeah, that's right, and, and with Russia. And, you know, he, exactly. And he feels also with the culture, he feels if he uses that language, he's just going to get laughed at, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah people are just going to yeah. laugh at him. And so he feels, you know, and he feels out of place, right? But that's, the thing is, that's who he is, though, so just do it. That's my point, is but, why not just do it? Yeah, but then he would be the man of action, right, see? But that's what he wants to be. But, right, but there's a whole chapter. The whole chapter, I think, is about chapter five, chapter six. He, you know, he, he feels like he cannot be the man of action because remember, the man of action lives an authentic life, but the man of heightened consciousness, he needs to live in a devised life. Right? Well, he has lived out the man of heightened consciousness life. There's nothing. <laughs> he really has. like he really we've, has. We're, we've circled back around, okay? So yeah, try a different one. Try a different approach. <laughs> no, it is. But it, I think I think really, I mean, I think that the the circle, I think the redundancy is the point. And I think that even at the age of twenty four, we can see this pattern beginning. Right? Oh, definitely. Because here's the thing, right? Being all right, it, it's a bit of a contrast. It's a paradox, which is, I mean, probably the underground man would love the paradox, right? I mean, this, wow, but. Being self-aware, okay, applying that acute self-awareness makes you useless in society. All right? Like, a guy comes in, 
He's working the farm. He knows about the farm. Person goes to school, learns about agriculture, works for the government, right? So you can get this point, you can get to a point when you can be so self-aware and so abstract and you can be so, you can ruminate so much your devised life, right? You can devise yourself right yeah. out of a useful state. Yeah, yeah, you can you can talk yourself or think yourself right into anything you want to or don't want to be. Yeah, I mean, you can accident sometimes. I mean, what it, yeah, I mean, you really can. You can you can create that you can create that 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 circle thought and you can you're not effective any longer. I had that choice to make. So here's a real world application of it that I Yeah, please. Yeah. So I had that choice to make in Iraq and I I didn't uh, realize what I was really doing other than trying not to torture myself. Sure. Um, my first tour there, mm-hmm. uh, when I got there, yeah. you go into Kuwait, so you're not really in any danger. They they tell you, like, okay, here you're not in any danger, and you kind of know that because they don't give you ammo. Oh. So you're like, either they're really cruel to me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or this must be pretty safe. If this is a bad day at the office, yeah. or I'll be okay. Yeah, I'm walking around with a weapon, and I got no ammo at all. So, okay. um, yeah, that tells you how much they trust you. But yeah. anyway... <laughs> So uh yeah when you when you finally head up to Iraq they tell you like all right like people are trying to kill you here you need to look out for essentially everything i mean it was like the side effects of a new prescription on tv wow was the things we had to look out for right and wow <laughs> so uh for about a week maybe i'd say a week at, at most um it was like my heart was racing when I was out on patrols. Mm. You know, I'd go to sleep at night because we'd get mortared and stuff. And yeah. like, I'm like man, like, ugh, like, I wonder what's gonna happen. And I was just in a constant state of worry. Sure. And it finally, I don't know. I finally had an epiphany, and I was like, you know what? I can be worried every single day mm. about this. And you probably see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Or going. I can just say. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, and I wasn't a Christian at that point in my life. I had no idea God was real or, yeah. or any of that. So I didn't have anything to lean on. It was literally just me going, well, very simple choice to make. Do I want to continue just to think this over and over and over and over? Right. Or do I want to be the man of action? Right. And just go out and do, 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 do. Whatever I'm supposed to do and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Very quickly, you come to the decision that. I don't want to spend 365 days feeling like I feel right now. Yeah. And so you become the man of action. And so that I guess that's why I don't understand why pe- some people just can't flip the switch. Like get out you literally can think of everything they could possibly think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything you're thinking, you're very aware of all these thoughts. You've watched how people act. Um the best advice I think I was ever given when I was a young kid, yeah, just be yourself. You know, because when you're a teenager, you're pretty impressionable, and you'll if you have, if you were ever a teenager and you watched wrestling during like the Attitude Era, yeah, sure. Oh my goodness, you know, like oh, yeah. I want to try to be like that guy. I want to talk like that guy. Oh wanna, yeah, yeah, right. You know, and somewhere along the way, someone's like, "Why don't you just be yourself?" Yeah, sure, be yourself, huh? And that's made more sense to me yeah. the, the older I've gotten, the more life experience I've gotten. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we, we chase, we, I, I think we change the things that we chase as we get older. You know, like there was a certain point in time where all of a sudden shopping for appliances became exciting. 
Yeah, right. And I remember that, that being like, <laughs> like a little embarrassing at the time. Sure. <laughs> that's right. I can't wait to go pick out a new fridge. Right, that's right, yeah. What in the world? <laughs> no, it's right. Like, hey, it's got an ice maker. It's yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think, uh, it, boy, it's so true. And I, I think... I think especially in your particular situation uh, that you shared, uh, it it really goes back to, and we were talking about this previously, actually, I think um, uh, in our previous podcast, and we were talking about the uh, the imagined audience. Yeah. I think that there is a, I think there's a correlation between this type of knowledge, okay, this type of second and third hand knowledge and the the imagined audience. All right, like, like even uh, it's funny because you were talking about wrestling even just before now, and yeah. like with the attitude there, like that really, I mean, that's that's an imagined audience, right? I mean, it's guys are taking on roles, and 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 guys are are going out there, and then people are kind of filling this 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 imagined audience role, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the imagined audience becomes real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if you're in a, for example, let me draw a contrast. So if you're in a corporate office. Mm-hmm. And it's your first day. You walk in, and there's all sorts of, you know, guys in dapper suits and right. you know, girls in blouses, and everyone's walking around, right? <laughs> it's really difficult. Right, yeah. So yep. it becomes very difficult. Can't believe I didn't have that silence. No problem. Start with, so if you walk into an office. Okay. So if you walk into an office and you got a bunch of guys in dapper suits and you got a bunch of girls in blouses, I mean, right? It's your yeah. first day. It's really difficult to to withstand the temptation. It's really difficult to keep out these imagined audiences. I, I didn't get angry until the guy that came up to me was the uh, executive vice president of the company and he had on socks that cost more than my car. <laughs> I didn't really get, like, too right. upset about anything or, sure. you know, riled by anything until that happened. I'm like, really, dude? Right. There you he go. He actually started, by the way, this was, it was Swift. I'll just say who I worked for. Yeah. And um, okay. when I worked in their corporate office in Phoenix, so the, right above me was Jerry Moise's office. Oh, wow. Is that right? Yep. Nice. Yep. Jerry Moise, and, and you got Richard Stocking up there. Wow. Um, very nice. And then in the next position, you have... Uh, I wish I could remember the guy's name. I, I, I can remember his socks. I can tell you that. Oh, right. He, he started as, as the uh, Jerry's gardener. And then, like, they just grew into this, like, friendship. Right. The guy's, like, no business degree at the time. Nothing. I'm not, I'm, wow. I'm not sure if he has any formal training now. He was a landscaper. Yeah. Wow. Is that uh, right? Rod, Rod Sarter. That's his name. Rod Sarter. Okay, Rod Sarter. Wow. Yeah. Right. And he started out as the dude's landscaper. And I'm <laughs> like, and this dude is sitting here next to me now. Yeah. Like I got two tours to rack under my belt. I got a bachelor's degree. Yeah. And this guy who knows how to plant some flowers and water some grass is wearing socks that cost more than my BMW. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I, this now, hey, that'll stick with you, you know. And I, if you don't have an experience that's going to, right? So if you either have, if you have a sense of justice, right? You have that object. You have that first principle. Mm-hmm. All right. Or maybe you have an experience that jolts you out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that I, w- I would really point to your experience, your first tour in Iraq. Um, you know, y- you get there. Those people are trying to kill you. Right. Oh, yeah. So uh, you're not you know, this is not an imagined audience. You know, you're you know, if you were there. So say if you're you're there, you're there in Iraq and you're thinking about people back home and you go, well, these people back home expect me to be 
um, to be uh, brave or they expect me to be able to have more stories or they uh-huh. expect me oh, to yeah. do this or they expect me to do that yeah. or my wife's going to think this or my dad's going to think that, right? If you're there and you're thinking, wow, like what's going to happen in 10 minutes because I, I th- this whole place could be shelled, right? Yep. Or you're thinking you could be killed mm-hmm. or you're even worse, you're witnessing things that are happening to the people around you. Mm-hmm. If you're there... You're no longer thinking. You're, you're, you're going to be pulled out of that. So I think that would put an end to the imagined audience. And not to mention that you're actually doing something real. I mean, you're, you're gaining experience. You know, I, I read about, yeah, I read about, your, um, That's true. Uh, I, I read about your, your experience, uh, uh, Tip of the Spear, right? Yeah, the Battle of Musaib. Yeah, and um, so uh, and that, that was really great. I, uh, I was able to pull up that book and read about it. And it, it was fascinating to read. Uh, and so I have knowledge about that just like you do, all right? Mm-hmm. But I have no knowledge, all right, compared to what you do, all right? So, like, your knowledge is knowledge. My, is kind of, I'd say, that big K knowledge. And my knowledge is just acquired knowledge. Yeah, it's 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 no different than, uh, like, you'll see, say, like, Chick-fil-A or whatever. Sure. I could walk into Chick-fil-A with my bachelor's degree. There's a manager's position open, right? And, sure. And it's me and the uh you know 20 year old who has a high school diploma right and but they've been at Chick-fil-A since they were 16 so they've been there 4 years sure. who's getting the manager's job that that person's been there for 4 years that 20 year old is getting it over me even the degree doesn't mean anything right. i could know all this stuff about business but you know i have no practical application to Chick-fil-A and their operations day to day i have no idea there you go there you go all right there you go I mean, I could be in a group of people, right? And I, maybe I will be someday. I have no idea. But uh, if I would be in a group of people and people are talking about, oh, I know a guy in the military. I know a guy who did this. I know a guy who did that. And I'm thinking, wow, imagine the audience. Because I'm not thinking about those people. I'm thinking about all their friends and all the people around them. And I'm thinking of the people that they've talked to and the people that I might run across. I'm thinking about the people I might run into on the side of the road that might know that guy. You know, I'm thinking about my general reputation. So I'm thinking about all these things. And I can go, oh, yeah, you know, I know a guy. I know a thing. And I can speak about it. And I can speak about it with knowledge. And it will affect my life in the sense that it is my engagement with an imagined audience that I'm pushing out into the world and I'm anticipating what's going to happen when it comes back to me. Okay. You, however, have this completely different experience and to have you talk about it, it's not even the same thing. I mean, you're not even talking about the same thing. So you have a, a real experience there. So for example, you would have so your first principle, like a first principle in that situation would be not to die, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a pretty good first principle. Yeah, it's decent. And, it's good and motivation. So, right, sure. So, I mean, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, it's a good start. It's a place to start anyhow. <laughs> so the um, so you start there. So you, you don't want to die. And so you're in that, that particular situation. You're, you're concerned with its survival, and you are experiencing that. Okay, so because I'm I'm kind of trying to answer your question about in terms of in terms of how can someone get to this spot? Like, how can someone be in this spot where they they they, they can't just do right? Maybe I don't get it because uh, I don't know I, I don't know if war is a particularly harsh situation that just kind of kicks you into being the man of action. Um, but I mean, yeah, like my situation was life or death. But I don't know if this guy realizes it but this is his whole life 
and eventually he's going to die. Right, so this right. is kind of life and death too. It's how you want to live your life. Yeah. Uh, there, he says right here. He goes, I I never have been a coward at heart. Yes. Though I have always been a coward in action. In action, and there it is. Always. You know it. Just fix it. Oh well. Here. He's always a coward. All right. He's always a coward at heart. And the coward in action, it's the indecision, all right? Knowing the consequences of your action. Uh, you know, like, for example, okay? So knowing the consequences of your action. So the underground man, right, he can't face off with this police officer. And he goes home, right? And he thinks about it. And he, th- he, think- he goes home and he thinks about it. And he's asking himself, why, right? Why? can I not face this police officer, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can go through the process. I mean, there's there, there's a lot of processes here, okay? So first of all, he's like, no, he's like, I don't have enough information. Well, that's true, okay, right? Hey, all right? Yeah. So he ends up going and bribing somebody to find out the guy's last name and find out where he lives, right? And then he's like, oh, well, um, and then he's like, well, okay. And now that he knows his name, he's like, well, what do I do now? And then he's like, okay, well, um, he's like, maybe I'll, I'll write a book, right? Uh, I'm going to write a story and, uh, about challenging this guy or, you know, about, uh, I'm going to write a story yeah. and, and then I'm going to become famous. I'm going to get it out there. And then this guy's going to be like, oh man, if I had just paid attention, you know, to this, if I had just paid attention to that, you know, it's kind of like when, all right. So for example, it's like unpersoning someone, right? And that's kind of a, a term that we use nowadays. Think about it this way. Okay. Let me back up just a minute. You have a woke person, right? So someone's super woke. Right. Yeah. And they'll come along and they'll say they come into your your house or what have you. Right. And I'm not going to put together a big story, but let's say they come at you and they say they say that is so institutionally racist. Right. And you and then you either ignore them or you disdain them. Right. And you mock them. Or you, you just ignore them. Right. And they feel like they feel like, number one, that they feel like, number one, you're you might be stupid. Or number two, that you have denied them like a sense of existence. You know, you you didn't acknowledge them. You didn't say, "Well, I don't feel like I'm racist. Why, why am I racist?" Right? You wouldn't say that. So, like, if you say that, then you're acknowledging the person. You're giving them personhood, right? But mm-hmm. when you just disdain them, right, or you you use your power to just ignore them because it's your house, yep. right? Then you you know you're you're denying them the opportunity to be a person. And then you, someone says, and this is where social media comes in, you know, who's that person? Oh, nobody. Yeah. You know, a loser. Well, the underground man, though, he he has no power to, <laughs> I don't say a power. He has no ability to not respond, to to deny that person, you yeah. know, personhood, I guess. Well, it's it's the police officer that does it to him because the police officer has more power than he does. And he... Yeah, yeah, no, I I understand that, but yeah. I'm saying the other way around though, like mm. he, nobody even has to say anything to the underground man, and a- automatically their opinions matter to him, you know? Right. Well, that well, I mean that's true. It's this this whole process. So, the like the underground man, he picks up the underground man, he moves him out of the way, and he instantly forgets about him. He doesn't even, he doesn't, right. you know? So, right. So, for example, okay, so. When he moves him, the underground man could say, you know, hey, buddy, watch it. You know, that's pretty disrespectful, you know. Yeah, or he could just 
not even remember it happened. Yeah, well, no, he could. You're Instead, just saying, he has to feel like he got moved like a piece of furniture or something. Yeah, no, he does. <laughs> he, he he does. Yeah, no, he certainly does. And and you know he's gonna and he does and he's gonna ruminate on that. And so and then he feels like he feels like that's what he really needs. Okay, it's not that he needs to embarrass the policeman. He wants to be. He wants that sense of personhood of respect because that's where it ends up right when yep. they're they're on the street yeah which is what he's wanted through the entire book that's all he he's wanted and, and if he there you go if he perfect gets, there you go there it is i mean yeah that's really the, the point of the whole thing yeah if if he gets that offended though over somebody just you know grabbing his shoulders and just sliding them aside so they, they can get by yeah then he he should he really should just stay underground because whoo hey what <laughs> You're gonna be real offended. <laughs> it's way worse than that. Well, I when I'm, it's interesting. It's hard to say whether or not Dostoevsky is trying to paint this picture of this person that exists, or whether it's an exaggeration. Because some yeah. of the stuff here might be an exaggeration to try to give you know give simple-minded folks like you and me an opportunity to kind of see <laughs> ourselves and work through some of these problems or whatever. Certainly, a lot to learn here. Like. Like I was telling you before we Woo. before we started the podcast, if you, I'll be totally honest. I, I I don't like reading. I may have mentioned that before. Yeah. Um, books are not really my thing. Um, we'll, we'll cure you of that. Yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was slowly building on me as I'm reading, and um, the last couple chapters, it, there's a lot to learn. You, you come to find out. Oh yeah. Because we find so much of ourselves and almost every paragraph you can absolutely see something in yourself that maybe you're like, Oh yeah. Huh. And it, some light bulbs go off and it yeah. may actually cause you to change some of your actions, some of your qualities about yourself that you don't like or see them differently. So then you don't mind the qualities that you have, you know, Boy, because so every one of us has at least one quality of ourselves that we don't, like whether or not we're willing to state that quality who knows depends on what it is um whether or not we're even willing to seek private help um or we're willing to acknowledge it this book can actually it can it can help you figure out a quality you didn't even know you had no it's really true you, you thought know, it was normal it's true it'll cost you about six seven bucks too online you know and it's <laughs> a lot easier than going to the therapist right you know oh it's cheaper Oh, yeah, a lot cheaper. Your insurance company will appreciate it. There you go, right there. You, <laughs> you too, can be your insurance company's best friend, right? Yeah, I know. Six bucks later, and there it is. And it doesn't take too long to read, even if you don't like reading. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Such way. Just, look at you, Steve. If I can read it, anybody can read it. If I can get through it, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Steve, I you know, there's all this this quantification and then this overthinking. You know, it's funny when he's he's watching the policeman. He's 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 quantifying the um, the clothing, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's wild. It's like because you can transpose that into life, right? Sure. I mean, you know, the underground man's watching the police officer, and he's saying, okay, so the police officer makes way for people who wear this kind of jacket, but then he doesn't make way for the people that wear that kind of jacket. So, like, that's one of the reasons why he's like, and he goes into hawk and he goes into debt, you know, because he wants to buy these certain clothes because he needs to dress himself up. Right? I've never done that. <laughs> he needs to <laughs> he needs to dress himself up, right, to look exactly like the kind of person mm-hmm. that the police officer will respect. And then he gets like the the fantasy right in his mind. See, 
And, and here's the thing, right? And and this is where also too, it, it goes back to the progressive. And when I say progressive, I mean overly self-aware and overly sensitive. All right, it goes back to this progressive sense of revenge. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and again, I'll bring in the wokesters. You know, so like you sure. bring in right. You, so you can bring in like the woke crowd, and they have like a very specific redemption process, right? For for like the great unwashed, right? Yeah, which changes. Every other month, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I think, I, I, you know, is it? But they have a very specific process, and yeah. so, like, you know, even in, uh, uh, you know, you know, for example, um, you know, CR, uh, CRT, right, well, critical race theory in the yeah. schools, and yeah. CRTs are is a curriculum. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, it, it's not an insipid ideology. Well, it is, but it's not. It's a curriculum that comes into the school, and it's taught. It's formally taught. Yeah, right? it's become and, that now. Yeah, it has it went from a fringe idea to right. But it's yeah. very specific, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can see this uh, in the chapter, right? The underground man, he clearly wants a very specific outcome. He wants, and it goes like this, right? He's walking down the street. The policeman looks around. He sees a guy in the clothes, and the clothes are sharp. He instantly recognizes he's got to move out of the way. But before he can even do it, it dawns on him that this guy is, I mean, this is like ZZ Top territory. This guy is a sharp-dressed man, right? <laughs> And so then he's going to, so obviously he's going to move out the way, right? So when he moves out the way, he's going to turn his head, right? And here's the movie, right? Remember, we won the Academy Award, Best Picture, Best Actor, the whole thing. So he's going to turn his head, and and, and then the music's going to come out there, like, you know, like Dreamweaver or something, you know? (laughs) And then, anyways, he turns his head, and he sees who it is. And he's like, dang, that's the guy who was at the billiard table, like, two years ago. And he's going to be like, man... I had no idea. This guy is a major player. Like this guy, this guy's not an unperson. This guy's a person. Respect. All right. You know, right? right yeah, right. respect. And then the underground man, you know, man, he's like, he's gonna go, and then he's, he's, he's he, and he's, he's gonna go, and then he's gonna, it's gonna complete him, right? And that's gonna become for him like a like a first principle, right? Right. It's gonna become like it's not the first principle, and then it's the sense of justice that follows right through yeah. to, to the, the the actualization of the man of action. Right. Instead, it's the rumination, and then it's this very specific type of revenge where he gets his acu- his actualization process at the end. Right. That first principle becomes the last principle. Yeah, that's all he's chasing. Yeah, you know, and so he he puts it all in there. But the thing that here's the rub, you know, it's impossible, right? I mean, you know, it never is going to go down the way you think it was going to go down. Nope. It, it's never pretty, and you know, and, and it's just it's 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 always based on 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 rumination. It's based on assumption. Anyhow, you know, we can see that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's never going to happen. So the underground man's revenge, it's impossible. I mean, it's an impossibility. It can never happen. Right. So, uh, you know, but then you'll see, you know, he doesn't get actualization, but, I mean, he does, at least, at least he bumps into the guy. Well, the one time he says uh, he got revenge was the letter. I'm surprised we, we haven't talked oh, about that Oh, we skipped yet. the letter. Yeah, 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 which is, yeah, that, that's that was, right. that stood out the most to me. No, bad podcaster, bad, 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 so, bad podcaster. Right yeah. after the letter. Someone come slap my hand. He <laughs> says, and all at once. I revenged myself yes. in the simplest way by a stroke of genius, and that was that was by writing the letter. But right. he never got sent, and he says, "But thank God, mm. 
to this day, yes. I thank the Almighty yes. with tears in my eyes. I did not send the letter to him. So I I was just like, oh, whoa, there's God. Right. Didn't, didn't get censored out. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. That's great. Um, but he said, cold shivers run down my back when I think of what might have happened if I had sent it. Like what? R- right. What do you think he's referring to? Well, remember, in the letter, that was when he challenged the police. He challenged him to a duel. Yep. Right, yeah. So he challenged him to a duel. Um, well, only only if he didn't accept the other outcome, right? He he, right. he basically kind of wanted to, like, be friends with him. He wanted to, like... And I've I've had this experience myself because I I don't like to fight like okay. I can't stand confrontation. Sure. So like I knew exactly what he was talking about here. Okay. Like he ra- he he would rather just get together with that guy, and even if it was like agree to disagree was the worst. Like he wanted that to be like worst case scenario, just agree to disagree. Right. Like he felt like I well I, I got to throw the the hard option in there though, yeah. Just in case, you know. But that's not really what he wanted. He he didn't want confrontation. He wanted to feel validated, even if the guy went home and didn't care later on. Just right then, so that he could go home and lie to himself some more. That he, yeah, right. That he was actually validated. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. what he wanted. Yeah, I think so. I think he did. He kind of did want that validation. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'll bring back the um. I'll bring back the two styles of romanticism. Uh-huh. Where what the underground man is trying to do is very European. I mean, right? He's he, you know, he, he kind of he wants to write it down. It, this is the language of books, right? So, you know, you got in one sense you have the language of books. So the underground man says, "I go home and I read books." And and so he's he, he's doing that to satiate these feelings that he has inside of himself. And so he's gaining all this knowledge about things, about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then he wants to use this to kind of put it down on paper. And so it's a tactic mission, right? So for the for him to for him to accept the friendship based on the letter is to admit that the underground man is 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 worthy of respect because of the knowledge he has in books. And yet the underground man himself doesn't believe that. Because the police officer, right, this is a guy who deals with people who get thrown through windows and who, you know, hit each other with pool sticks. Yeah. So this is a man of action, right? Has so, to be. Ha- yeah. Has to be. Has to be. Has to be. And the underground man knows that. And he's, so he's thinking, hey, if I run into the man of action and he starts to tell me what for, we're going to have to duel. Yep. Right? Yep. And, and so he's trying, again, cover all of his bases. Right. Right? He's trying to cover all of his bases and that's again, it's knowing the consequences of your actions. He's writing this letter and he's so proud of himself with the letter. Yeah. Because he's like, Look at this letter. I've covered all my bases. Right. Like this is such a well thought out letter. And if he were to send it to someone if he were to send it to someone in in London, they would probably look at it and say, Wow, can you believe there are people in Russia who can write like this? Who mm. can think like this? Mm-hmm. Who can live like this? That's amazing. Right. But that's not the underground man. I mean, underground man is like, no. I mean, he, he, he knows that Russian romanticism is never going to allow that. And it's amazing to watch the journey, too, because when the underground man finally does mature, he's only 24 at this point, when he does get to that age of 40 years old, right, and he's finally completed that transformation into the underground world, right, he's now gotten to the point that talent, that, that, that thing, all right, that caused him to put that stuff down in the letter, 
yeah. now causes him to reject everything earthly. And the same institutions in London that would have validated him, these are the same institutions that built the glass, the, 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 built the, uh, the glass tower. Mm-hmm. Right? And at the end, we can see in the end, he says, no, I'll call it a chicken coop. Yeah. You know, I'll tear it down and I'll reject it and I'll take my free will. And if you want me to see something perfect, you better start showing me stuff outside of this world, not inside the world, because I don't see anything. Yeah, he needs objective truth. Yeah, right. He he, he requires it. Yep. I wonder. As we all do. I wa- we all do, but it does. I mean, I've I've walked around thinking like him before. One, I've yeah, I've ascribed my views to other people when I'm thinking about like, uh, when I'm maybe pondering over a situation or whatever, and I have sure. to. I'm quickly able to be like, all right, hang on a second. Not everybody thinks like you. Um, but yeah, I've been in in those situations before so I kind of know what he's talking about but being stuck in him is just I don't know it's not it's not something I really understand I, I don't know maybe I got thrown into um, the action part and it just kind of desensitized me to um, anything that, that could happen because I've I've had a fear of the unknown before you know yeah okay Um, I wasn't always the most outgoing person right yeah I'm I'm still a DJ, but when I first started DJing, you know, I'm not going to lie. The first time I picked up a microphone at a wedding was not the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. (laughs) I had to to throw myself out the bar window, you know, (laughs) like that was, that was pretty crazy to me to have to do that. I mean, my heart was racing. Right. For sure. Sure. So I definitely, definitely been in those, those situations, um, but he's he's pretty entrenched in in his position and where he is. Yeah. I mean I really think you have to go back to that remember that sense of nihilism and then you know Dostoevsky saw that Russia was descending into this mm-hmm. into this. You know kind of like it's like the death of god stuff, you know, like every 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 once in a while, you know, you get to like people start popularizing that. Oh, it's the death of god, you know. And so people will say, you know, it, People get to that point and they say, "Well, we're going to do it on our own. We're going to, we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to keep going in this direction, right? Mm-hmm. Without God." And the underground man notes from underground, right? What happens when you follow that train of thought all the way to its conclusion, right? So, you know what what's going to happen to the human psyche when you take that that nihilism, you take that first principle, and you eliminate the first principle. And you're going to embrace this, this, this sense of, of kind of modernistic romanticism. And you're going to take that all the way to its logical conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where, where does that go? You know, and, and this is where it goes. We see this, this uh, you know, these, you know these, uh, these examples. And you know, maybe they're uh, not necessarily literal. Maybe they're, they're, they're espoused upon to give us a sense of what it could be. Again, Steve, I think I would go back to that... Um, that knowledge conversation we were having before, knowledge with the big K and knowledge with the small K, right? So, yeah. okay, so when you're, you have knowledge about a thing, all right, you have, you have experience with something, and then you have knowledge about a thing, all right? So, for example, uh, you can, uh, I could read a book about, um, yeah, you know, I could read a book about, um, about, about New York City, but if I've never been to New York City, I only have knowledge about New York. I don't have actual experiences there. Sure. So there's a difference between 
there's a difference between doing something and overcoming fear of doing, right? So, you know, and that, I, you know, you, we hear it said, sometimes the, the best plan to do something is just to do it. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. You know, just, just, just do, right? right? And so that's a different than from gaining your knowledge and filling your person, right? You know, we have, you know, we have, um, you know, we have people that ba- they have so much knowledge, and they base themselves on that knowledge. But knowledge, okay, knowledge can be rational. It can be logical. Yeah. It can relate to other pieces of knowledge. And it can be used to create contrast and art. All right? Mm-hmm. But there's one thing it can't do. All right? It can't, it can't supply a person with a model to live. Oh, it's no substitute for experience. Yeah, I mean, it's no substitute for being like a model to live, right? Like, yeah. you know, uh, like we're both parents, right? Yeah. So your kid doesn't want to get in the water. They want to learn how to swim because sure. they're scared, sure. right? So they don't know what to do, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're a parent, right? So you give your kid a book about swimming? No. No. Right? You give, you, you give your kid a biology book and you show him how he's not going to drown if he jumps in the water? No. Right? No. Okay, right? Do you show him a movie about uh, a kid who was afraid to get in the water and then he was uh, really inspirational and then he went through some process? And I'm sure some parents do that nowadays. But now you get him some swimming lessons. No, you know what you do? You go behind him and you say, okay, kid, and you push him in the water and he gets in the water, right? I've definitely done that too. <laughs> so, and then, so you get him my in the water. Can, my kids can swim before someone goes calling the state right. on me. Yeah, and it's because, <laughs> you know, it's because, hey, listen, you know, because... You know, because dad, right? Dad knows, hey, you know, it doesn't matter how many books we read about getting in the water, right? Yeah. You know what's going to make a great swimmer? Get in the water, right? Yep. And then once the kid has the experience, he goes, hey, dad, you know, uh, I can do this. I can get in the water, and it's wet and fun, but I don't need to drown. And dad says, one day, kid, you're going to be a great swimmer. Yeah. Right? Because he's not reading books about swimming. He's swimming. Yeah. Right? So... You know, we have this, so there are really these two modes, right? To, there are these two modes to approach life. Mm-hmm. One is one is living. One is, 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 is very practical. It's effectual. Yeah. All right. And, and, and so, um, you know, it's very, I guess you could say action-based, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then you have another, which, I mean, really, you know, is, is, is not. It, you know, so if you're going to take one, you're going to replace it with the other, what kind of people are you going to get? What kind of world are you going to? Well, get? the other one's philosophical. Um, you know, somebody who who likes to read and um, sure. you know, I I don't know if they don't. I maybe it's what it excites them. Maybe it's just it's more fun for them to stay in their their town and and just hear about stuff. Because I don't think a whole lot of people really go searching for knowledge. I think nowadays we 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 live in a a world where everything's at your fingertips, but you know we go for what's more sensational. So, yeah, you know how many people get their news from Facebook? Right, it's ridiculous. Yeah, sure. You know, and they don't even consider it anymore. But so they consider that to be to be real knowledge. And then what further complicates our society is even if you go to a university, yeah. right, and you get what our society, which still isn't real knowledge to me, but mm. you get what our society considers to be like official knowledge right uh-huh. yeah okay whatever um you ha- 
you end up with people that have that and then lack humility, like any speck of it. And right. that sh- that showed up a lot in the military. Is that right? I was yeah. So here I am, a sergeant. Sure. My second tour in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some some physical knowledge about how everything works. I don't have my college degree yet. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in a Humvee with no like nobody in this Humvee but me has been to Iraq. Okay. <clears throat> I had a bunch of privates. Yep. And our truck commander. Yeah. Is a second lieutenant. Now, in order to be a second lieutenant in the military, which is the first rank of officers, you have your E rank, which you're enlisted, and then your O rank, which are officers. Okay. <clears throat> Every officer outranks all enlisted. So you could have a second lieutenant. They outrank technically a sergeant major. Okay. Now, if a second that's lieutenant- that's an enlisted man. That's right. Okay. That's right. Which is, it's it's crazy how it works, but every officer outranks every enlisted person. So technically- Sure. Again, a second lieutenant outranks a sergeant major. Sure. Um, you'll- if if you ever see a second lieutenant telling a sergeant major what to do, get out your phone and record as fast as you can. Because <laughs> I promise you the sergeant major does not care at all. Because he has a, either a colonel, lieutenant colonel, or a general somewhere backing him up that's about to end that second lieutenant's career. Sure. <laughs> okay, so if you're looking for a sergeant major to tell a second lieutenant, get off my grass, it's not going to happen. I I hope I'm there if it does. <laughs> so I'm in this I'm in this truck and this so we're talking life or death right now, right? Yep. And the, the truck in front of us hits a VBIED. Mm. Uh vehicle born improvised explosive device. Oof. Um so there's a fireball. Massive. Oof. Um the hood of the, the, the bomb car, whatever it flies over my Humvee. Yeah. Oof. And now I'm stuck in a position where I'm a sergeant. Right. I'm supposed to listen to this lieutenant. Yeah. But I know what we're supposed to do right, right then. He may have just freaked out because guess what? Harvard didn't teach him how to deal with that. Yeah. He ain't never seen nothing like that in his life. Right. Ever. I mean, it was, that fireball was hot. It was hot, yeah. Extre- I mean, we're we're behind. It's probably already, what, 110 over there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of your baseline, right? In the shade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, man, like it went off, and I'm like, all right, like this ain't too bad. And then the the heat starts coming through the vehicle or whatever. And okay. You're like, Whoa, gotta press my head against the back here. I'm trying to get as far away from as I can. Yeah. Finally, you know, the fireball dissipates a little bit, and now it's now it's decision time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yep. Now, I have to listen to this guy tell me no, I can't get out because I'm like, sir, we need to get out. Go and clear the scene and make sure the guys in the Humvee are okay. Right. I tell him this twice. Twice. He, the second time he actually yelled at me. Yeah. To shut up. Um, okay, that's it. Done. So I took my dismount. And I I told him I said, "Hey, private, get out of the truck. Let's go. Follow me." I, at that point, I don't care. Right. But that there is no humility. I mean, we're talking a life and death situation. Yep. yep. And you have never seen this before. Mm-hmm. By the way, this was this was unlucky enough to be our first patrol of the entire tour so not only have you never seen this you have never even been outside a fence in iraq Mm -hmm. ever and we're six hours into your first patrol yeah and you're telling a sergeant what to do in a situation like that yeah because you have a college degree are you out of your mind right are you like i'm sorry but you're your four-year degree don't mean anything. You can ball it up, throw it at them if you want to. Now, what do you think the role of an imagined audience? Do you, it would, does that? Do you think that factors into that at all? Or and if so, oh, what definitely, way? Yeah. definitely. Okay, like in I, what I, way? I think it's fifty-fifty. 
Maybe it's 50-50. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing, okay? Because sure. it, it it could be 100 and 0. Mm-hmm. But it's it's some mixture or the two or one or the other. It's either, if it's the imagined audience, he is saying, I need to assert my authority over this vehicle because technically I'm in charge of this vehicle. Right. And I have an audience yeah. being the privates who is looking at me for leadership and I need to be the leader. Right. Well, listen, I ain't got time to train you to be the leader right now. Okay. Right, right. I don't got time to hold your hand. Yeah. That's kind of like the man of action, right? I mean, but he was trying to be the man of action. Right, yeah, was trying to be. Well, yeah, but good for him. Can you can you be the man of action when you're you're overly concerned with an imagined audience? I guess. I mean, I, you, yeah. you can. I mean, I guess. How, how effective are you going to be? That's a good question. I mean, it's something to think about. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you right now, the person with more training is going to be more effective than right. you. Know, short of you being the luckiest person on earth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To defer to the. Oh no, I I agree. To defer to the person with the experience, right? Again, if I run, if I walk into Chick Fil A, even if I got the manager's position with yeah. my cool degree, sure. You think I'm about to tell that person what to do? Right. No, I'm going to be leaning on them. Right. Because you are, and you'll learn this as a leader. They teach you this in the military, and they have to teach it because it's not apparently part of some people. Yep. If you are going to be a leader. You are only going to be as successful as the people you lead. Okay, right. Because if they don't respect you, yeah, right, they can end your career as a leader. Right. Because you will look ineffective. Because they don't care. They'll get a couple of counseling statements. Yep. You'll get a bad NCOER. Yeah. You'll never see E7. You'll never see Sergeant First Class okay, in your right. life. No. No, ever. So um, not only is it a good moral idea mm-hmm. to... Have some humility when you lead. Uh, it's it's profitable for your career, <laughs> right? I I use the word humility a lot. I just don't. I don't know. I grew up poor, and yeah. then I went through a period of my life sure. where I didn't have any humility at all. Yeah, and I thought I could attain all these things, and I was like, ha ha ha, I'd be better than these people, you know? Yeah, sure. Like, I've I've attained what you had and more. Yeah, and then when I attained it all and realized it didn't mean jack squat. Right. I was like, But then oh. again, you can look at that, like the imagined audience, right? You're saying, yeah. well, I'm going to attain all these things. Yeah. Once I get all these things, then, you know, th- this is that phantom revenge, right? So it, the underground man, it's different. But for example, in your in the situation that you're describing, yeah. maybe you think, oh, someone from high school or someone from, you know, someone from school or from yeah. back in the, the old country, right? Yeah. Then they're going to see, you know, me driving this car. And they're gonna be like, "Oh wow, you know, like all these, yeah, like all those people in high school that thought that you know he wasn't all that in a bag of chips, right, you know, right. like we were just so stupid back then, like right wow, like he's probably laughing at us now, right? Nobody cares. Well, you know, it's like, but it's like the porn thing, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about the pornography, you know, yep. like it's not about, like it's not about the girl, right? Yeah. It's that's not. It's about the it's about the audience." witnessing you with the girl and processing what they cannot have. Yep. And, and and it's that sense that drives that drives the underlying passion. I doubt anybody thinks of it that deeply, but yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> oh right. Right. So um but you know still you can apply that though. And you can apply that to say, you know, you're you you're getting you're accumulating these things or you're thinking in a certain way, or you're you're acting or approaching the world in a certain way, because you're trying to elicit 
this sense of 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 jealousy or or you're trying to, or this fantasy of revenge right because yep. revenge can look different ways right i mean maybe revenge could be a, it could be a fist or it could be a kiss right it's so, whatever satisfies that person's need there you go so you get like this imagined fantasy of revenge and the thing is is that fantasy it's it's always impossible you know you can't you can't use it as a mode for living but what you can use for a mode of living is the Bible. So that's a pretty good thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, and so um, that was, I think, something that we talked about last time. And it was uh, what we formulated in the last chapter. And it's kind of what we formulate here. It's pretty fascinating to see the underground man at the age of 24. Yep. And um, so uh, with a sense of God and a sense of purpose... And yet he's going to be worn down and he's going to get worse and he's going underground. Oh, yeah. At the end of the chapter, we're, you know, he ends with still wondering what that officer is doing now. Yeah, right, right. It's you like know. 16 years later, right? Yep. Yeah. And, he, and 14 he's 14 years later. Yeah, yep. 14 years later. And he's still in St. Petersburg, by the way. You yep. know? <laughs> and so he's still in St. Petersburg. So, and all those years later, he's, he's just still wondering, like, what happened? So, um, yeah, so see where that goes. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. You know, we'll see where that goes. But uh, so it's very interesting. Uh, we know where he starts. We know where he finishes. And there's going to be a lot to learn in between. So lots of great lessons and uh, lots to talk about. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for sticking with us this far. Uh, we, uh, we hope you're enjoying it as much as we enjoy talking about it. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time for the next chapter. And... Apropos. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 